0: thank you, Peter, and thank you, Redemption Hill. You're sounding good this morning. Um, So listen, our kids can head up to be with our team at Redemption Kids. The rest of you can grab a seat. Uh, So thankful for Peter coming and joining us today as our guest worship leader. Uh, This is the first time we've been able to uh, even meet, uh, you know, but just being connected through a friend. Uh, I love, I love, Peter, your passion, uh, passion for the Lord. Um, You know, I, I normally sing loud, uh, but Peter helped me sing even louder. I don't know about you, but that was, uh, that was encouraging. Thank you, Sarah, for that. Perfect. Hey, it's perfect. Uh, so uh, yeah, if you, if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to the book of Isaiah. We'll be in chapter 50 today. If you're using one of the Bibles we provide, it's page uh, 611 of the Bibles that we provide. So Isaiah chapter 50, will be starting in verse 4 this morning and uh, I don't know about you but I feel like at this point the Christmas season is in full swing you know just it's just it's in motion you know ready or not Christmas season is here and uh, you know how many of you uh, just you know are really experiencing uh, you know all that that is that comes with Christmas I mean anyone anyone have uh, all their shopping done by this point Any anyone Wow, that's amazing. You know, Uh, I just think, God, one of the beauties of marriage is that my wife uh, really uh, fulfills. You know, what I saw on a meme in social media this week uh, from, from one of our mutual friends, uh, Erin Marino, she posted this meme that, that had a shopping list of, you know, husband and wife. And on the, the, the wife or the mom side, you know, it had, you know, dad and kid and kid and kid and cousin and friend and worker and co-worker and husbands, co-workers, you know. And then on uh, this side, it just said, under dad, mom, you know. And, um, and I was offended until I realized that it's true, you know, so that, that's, just, that's just how it works in my house, um, and, and I'm thankful for my wife and how she uh, pushes us forward in the Christmas season. Anyone been to any Christmas parties yet? Christmas party out there? Yup, yeah, come on. Hope you had a good time. Hope you had some Nice food, hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, some good music and festivities. Maybe, maybe a gift exchange, those are always fun. You know, we did that last night as a staff team. Um, anyone, Christmas movies, you got your favorite Christmas movies that you're tuning into or you're waiting for now. Just so many things about the Christmas season uh, that are unique that we can enjoy. You know, one of, one of the favorite things for our family is to drive around and to see all of the Christmas lights. Anyone else enjoyed that? here this morning, come on, throw it up, raise your hand if you enjoy that, all right, if you don't enjoy it, you need to ride along with us, all right, we will help you enjoy it, it's an amazing experience, uh, but you know, I was thinking about uh, just this, this, you know, opportunity to, to do that, and uh, it reminded me of an experience about 10 years ago uh, that I learned something very, very sad about myself, all right, and, and I'm expecting you to feel very sorry for me. All right, in just a moment. So, um, so, so what happened was uh, about 10 years ago, Marsha and I were, I think Parker was like in the, you know, the car seat in the back, you know. And, and we're driving around different neighborhoods looking at the lights. And, and we're just, you know, having a great time doing our thing. And, and, you know, the longer we went, the worse I felt. And so it just started out as kind of a feeling of, of a bit of just lightheadedness, and then, it, and then it got to the point where my head felt like it was spinning, uh, but, you know, uh, being the stubborn man that I am, you know, I just kind of started squinting my eyes and, and trying to, you know, drive through the pain, you know, no other man ever would do anything like this, you know, but I just kept driving and trying to endure uh, to the point where it got so bad that I had to pull over and I had to say, Marsha, I do not know what is going on, but I need you to drive. And after a little bit longer of sitting in the passenger seat experiencing the same feelings, we realized that it was the thousands of lights that were flashing before my eyes that had a dizzying effect on my mind. Now, I hope that you don't experience that. So basically now, we still enjoy the lights. We just have to go slower, and uh, I can't, you know, stare at every single house, you know, or I'll just get the feeling sick and out of it. Um, And so hopefully that is not your experience, but I know that the Christmas season, in an ironic twist, it can have a dizzying effect on our souls, Everything that is going on, all that there is to do during the Christmas season, people to see, gifts to buy, the whole experience can leave us missing the very reason we celebrate Christmas in the first place. In Christmas, we have the God of the universe who came near to us that we might experience an intimate, life-giving relationship with him. Jesus came to bring a new horizon of intimacy, the light of intimacy to our lives, that we might live out the very reason that God made us in the first place. And I choose that word intimacy very carefully because intimacy carries the idea of close proximity, perhaps the best of friendships. Maybe your mind even jumped to sex, and that's not a bad thing. In fact, that's a great thing, because God made us to experience the most intimate of relationships with him. As I was thinking about this and what we're going to see in Isaiah 50, did you know that before there was Adam and Eve, there was Adam and God? More intimate than any other relationship we could experience in this life, we were made for an intimate relationship with the God of the universe, the God who Made us. And so I want you to listen very carefully as I read Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 through 11 for us. These verses are going to encourage us to follow Jesus into the flow of the secret place, all right? Follow Jesus into the flow of the secret place. Listen to these verses as I read them for us. The servant speaks. The prophesied Messiah, Jesus Christ, speaks here in verse 4, and he says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear And I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike. And my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches you have kindled. This you have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. Let's pray together. God, we ask that in these moments, by your word and by your Holy Spirit, God, that you would pull us into your heart. God, that you would give us ears to hear your voice. That what we see in Jesus and how he related to you, God, that that, that we would see the picture of the, the truest, the most perfect human being. And we would know that you made us to experience the same kind of relationship with you. Father, we're so prone to put limitations on ourselves and limitations on how you might relate to us. And so, God, we pray that you would tear those down and you would tear those down very quickly any presumptions, any false assumptions, any misconceptions of who you are and what you desire for us, God, that you would remove them from our mind, rip them away from our hearts so that we would enter into all that you want for us to follow Jesus into the flow of the secret place. We pray in his name, amen. I wanna show you what happens When you spend time with God in the secret place. I want to show you that if you'll give yourself to God day after day after day, what will be produced in your life as you live out the very reason that God made you in the first place? What does the secret place produce? What is this flow that I'm talking about of the secret place? Well, the first Thing that you will experience is an awakened ear we see this in verse four look at look at verse four with me it, it says that the lord god this again is jesus speaking the servant speaking he says the lord god has given me the tongue of those who are taught that i may know how to sustain with a word okay so that's the first half of the verse this is what is resulting from the second half of the verse which says what morning by morning he awakens He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. What we find here is the kind of relationship that God the Father enjoyed with God the Son and the kind of relationship that God wants to have with each and every one of us. The servant is in the secret place. When we're talking about the secret place, we're talking about the place of the presence of God. We're talking about the place where there is one on one relationship, one on one intimacy, where, where, there's, where there's listening and sharing taking place to go deeper with one another. This is what God desires for each one of us. Look, look, at, look at what it says at the, at the back half of verse four this picture of intimacy. Morning by morning, he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. So we see here that this is happening at what time in the morning? And listen, I wanna be the last person that is a legalist, you know, that kind of makes up rules to look good before others or be approved by God. And so I think like any time of the day is a great time to spend time with God. Oh, by the way, did, did you know that it isn't just like the morning time and then we're good to go for the rest of the day, but like we can come in the morning, we can come at noon, we can come in the afternoon, we can come at night. But I think there's something strategic about the morning. I think there's something that the morning time reveals about our hearts. That we would say, God, you are first. You're the foremost relationship in my life. Above and before all other relationships, God, you are the one that I am chasing after the hardest. You are the one that I count my time with you more precious than any other. The secret place. We see the frequency. It's morning by morning. It's every day. Did you know that love invests time? You want to spend time with the people you love. This is how relationships work. This is, how, this is what love is. It's a giving of oneself to another. And this is what God desires with us because what we find here, what what is so amazing about God and what we see at Christmas, perhaps one of the fundamental uh, truths about the Christmas story is that God is coming after us. We're wired to think that we work our way to God. In fact, all other religions of the world will tell us how to climb the mountain to do enough good things to make our way to God. But only Christianity says God is coming down to us because we weren't looking for him. Amen. Amen, Amen. thank you. Did you see that? God is taking the initiative. He is the alarm clock. The servant says, he awakens my ear to hear us, those who are taught. I love the words of Psalm 90, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. What a great prayer. You might want to write this down, by the way. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. Did you see that? In the morning, the prayer of the psalmist. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Oh, I just got to preach that for a moment. I mean, if you lack a little joy and gladness in your life, take an inventory of the time that you're spending with God. If you lack joy and gladness in your life, look back and say, like, am I praying and asking for more of God in my life? God is not a stingy God. He's not stingy at all. He wants to give you more of himself. This is the relationship that God the Son and God the Father enjoyed. We see this all throughout the Bible, specifically in the Gospel of John. Do you ever catch these radical statements flowing from the lips of Jesus when he'll say in John 5.19, I do nothing of my own accord, but only what the Father is doing. Wow. Or or John 8.38, I speak of what I have seen with my Father. Jesus was in tune. He was connected to the point where, I love this prayer, I heard it in a song a couple of weeks ago, where there's no space between. No space between. This is the kind of relationship that we're after with the one true God. He wants this kind of proximity, this kind of closeness, this kind of intimacy with you. And I want to beg you, church, not to believe the lies from the evil one that say, look, you've gone as far as you can go. Oh, you've read, you know the Bible. You show up on Sundays, you're good. As if to communicate that there's not more to experience. Listen, if God is infinite, how could you ever reach the bottom? more for us. The Father's heart. Oh, I love spending time with my kids. I love it. I love them. If I had 27 hours in the day, I would want to spend the extra hours with them. But the secret place is not just about receiving. Because what I love about What we see in Jesus is that he receives to give. This is the pattern of the kingdom. This is what Jesus told his own disciples. Freely you have received, so you freely give. And he could give because he received. He could teach because he was taught. He had something to say because he first listened. This, this explains why. Like Jesus spoke, spoke God's words because he received God's words. So, so this, this explains when Jesus, the, the one who is fully man, also fully God, but the one who is fully man, when he showed up and he uh, exercised his public ministry and he started teaching God's word, people would say, We've never heard anyone speak like this before. We've never heard someone teach with this kind of authority. It was all flowing out of the secret place, an awakened ear. And because he heard, because he listened, he knew what to say. And I love, I love what this says. It's so encouragement. And we need this encouragement. Sometimes the most when it's Christmas, the Christmas season. It says that Jesus was equipped to speak to individuals at their point of need. Did you, did you see what it says here in verse 4? That I may know, that Jesus may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Do, Do you know anyone who is weary in their life right now? Do you know anyone who is tired? Do you know anyone who just feels the weight of life just pulling them down? Do you know anyone, as one scholar put it, who is fainting under life's demands? You may say, Pastor Tanner, I don't only know someone. I am not someone. And I just want to tell you today, Even as we saw two weeks ago when Pastor John preached from Isaiah 42, that this is the servant, the one who is bringing justice, who will not break a bruised reed or put out a smoldering wick, this kind of merciful God who understands our pain, who the incarnation, let me preach again, he he entered our brokenness, he experienced our brokenness, he experienced our pain, he took on our death. Jesus understands. And so if you need a word of encouragement, he's saying, I am with you. If you need a word of comfort, what about Matthew 12 when he says, fear not little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. Wow. Wow. You're in on that. If your heart isn't saying a little bit of a a wow, it may not be as wow as Oh, my, my wow, what? But you know, like wow, amazing. If you need a word of hope, Jesus says, "Take heart, I have overcome the world." He knows just what we need. But but your problem and my problem is that we don't get back to the secret place to even hear His voice. The flow of the secret place is first an awakened ear, and then that awakened ear moves to having and experiencing a resolute heart. Number two. First, the the first flow of an awakened ear that then moves to a resolute heart. We could say resolute steps, resolute action, but that action or those steps are flowing from the heart that is cultivated in the secret place. We see this in verses five and six. Jesus goes on to say, the Lord God has opened my ear. We see that awakened ear again from verse four. But then he says what? When God opened his ear, when he taught him, when he gave him instruction, he says, I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike in my cheeks, to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. You and I both know this, it is one thing to hear the Father's voice. It's another thing to do what the Father says. Everyone enjoys being in God's presence. Everyone enjoys proximity to God, but not everyone is willing to pay the price. What what God says in the secret, the instructions that he gives us, the the desires that he shares from his heart to our hearts. I mean, what we find is that uh, the the picture of Jesus here, that that he is resolute. He hears and he's not turning back. He's not rebelling in any way, but he is moving forward resolute in the plan that God has revealed to him. But what we find in verse 6 is that the, the plan is not always pretty. That there's going to be pain at times. That there's going to be opposition at times. Live your life for God long enough and you will be opposed. That's what Jesus said. That's what the leaders of the the, the early church would say. Paul, in this life, we, we will experience suffering. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer, Paul says in 2 Timothy, I believe. And so I just want to tell you that your, your resolve will be tested. You know, it's not easy when God says, hey, you be the first to apologize. You love your enemies. You step out of your comfort zone again to share how I have changed your life, even though your assumption, which could be wrong, by the way, but your assumption is that they don't want to hear it. I need you to step out, and it might, it might bring some suffering in your life. You might be mocked. You might be made fun of. You might be insulted. You might lose respect in the sight of the people that you work with. This is what Jesus endured. We see that he followed God's plan with such a radical obedience in the face of opposition and suffering which ultimately led him not just to death threats, but to death on a cross. As we progress through the servant songs, 42, 49, 50, and next week, 52 and three, we see that there's this progressive element of opposition to the point now that we are starting to hear early Echoes of the cross here 700 years before Jesus was born into this world. He gave his back to those who strike. Jesus was flogged before he was crucified. They, 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 they abused him. They, they struck him. They, they pulled out the hair out of his beard as he offered his, Like this is willingly and voluntarily Jesus was giving himself for us. He was disgraced and spit upon it. It reminds us of the words of Matthew 27. Let me read them for us. Matthew 27, starting in verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. This is our king. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. To mock him. And kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, king of the Jews, you don't look like much of a king now. And they spit on him. And they took the reed and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put on his own clothes and led him away to be crucified. Jesus obeyed with a resolute heart in the face of brutal degradation and physical torture. Why? Because as he would say, months before this event, the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. He answered the call of God. He fulfilled his mission. By the way, this is why it's good for us to sing songs of the cross at Christmas. We remember that Jesus was born not just to live a comfortable life, but he was born to suffer and to die in our place. And again, it's like everyone, like, sign me up, follow Jesus, sign me up. I get that nice nice, peaceful feeling and I can, I can, I can navigate life's troubles and, and I have a hope for the future beyond uh, what, the, what the eye would uh, see or the, the mind would even be able to dream up and, and I have a joy that is unexplainable. Man, this is all great stuff. But to follow Jesus is to follow all, follow, follow all of Jesus. which means we're going to need a resolute heart. I don't know what hard thing God is calling you to. I don't know what you define as hard. But I know that the secret place, the place of his presence, will give you all the resources you need to take the next step. This is what God calls us to. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8 listen to these words this is Paul talking about Jesus but he starts by saying you have the same mind you have the same attitude we're called to have the same attitude that, that, that has heard the voice of God that knows what a relationship with him looks like so that we can have a resolute heart to take whatever obedient step it is that God leads us to take on the cross. And the question becomes, how could he do this? And the question becomes for us, how can we do this? How can we live out the hard? How can we live out the difficult? It comes from spending time in the secret. I just got to say this if you're not seeing the kind of fruit that you desire in your life what I mean by fruit are like the good things that that God wants to produce out of your life if you're not seeing it to maybe the level that you desire or what you're what you're measuring not your life against the people that are sitting next to you which we're always prone to do but you're measuring your life against Jesus Christ himself the one that God is making us into Maybe, just maybe, it's a result of not spending time in the secret place. You say, like, well, Tanner, you've made this point. I've heard it. You've said it 10 or 12 times already. You can move on. But this is what I know. This is what I know. My dad could call me today. He could ask me to do anything and I would do it because I know he loves me and I trust him with all of my heart. How much more the God who made the world and everything in it, who knows me better than I know myself, who has not just good desires for me and for you, but he has the very best desires for us. He knows what kind of joy lies ahead on the other side of obedience when we just say yes to him. But we say yes to him when we know that we can trust him when we know how much he loves us. Listen, the, the secret place is first not about, I love this, I've said this before, let me say it again, a story from one of my mentors who uh, was mentored by someone else and this mentor of his, are you tracking with me? I know I'm talking fast, but um, this, this mentor of mine had a counselor who asked him the question, hey, what does God want from you uh, every day? What is the first thing that God wants from you? And my, my friend Mac, he says, well, uh, God, God wants me to uh, glorify him. And we all know that that's why God made us, right? That's our ultimate purpose in life, is to worship him and to glorify him. And and, 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 uh, Chip says, uh, no, no, Matt, that's not it. That's not what God wants first from you. And so he's he's kind of searching his mind, like, can I find another way to kind of rephrase this? And maybe, you know, I'll say what he's thinking. And so, well, I just want to love God with all of my my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, that's the first commandment, right? It's like, I want to love God. No, Matt, that's, that's not it. What God wants for you. And the first thing that God wants from you is for you to let him love you. Just let him love you. Just spend time in his presence and hear what he said about you. That's what empowers us. That's what, that's what empowers our love, right? As First John 4 says, We love because he first loved us. We receive to give. We receive so that we'll step out and do anything in his name. That's the flow of the secret place. An awakened ear, a resolute heart, and then finally what this leads to is a favored life. What I love about God is that God will not ask us to do anything no matter how difficult or hard it may be. He will not ask us to walk down any road, any, even any road of brokenness that's not a result of our sin or even what he wants because we live in a troubled, broken world, right? But even in all of that, whether it's obedience or whether we're experiencing some kind of suffering from the outside externally, listen, God says, I will be with you every step of the journey. You see, an awakened ear and a resolute heart will lead to a favored life because, God, when we talk about favor, we're talking about the goodness and the grace of God being poured out on us. We experience more of who he is. We keep receiving that which we don't deserve. That's grace. And we see this. We see this in verses 7 through 11. Let me just read verse seven for you, but it says this, and I mean, think about this. This, is, this. These are words prophesying the cross. They're spitting on me, they're pulling out my beard, they're striking me on the head. But the Lord, God helps me. God is our help. God is saying, "This is my servant. I've got his back. I will be with him." He shows up and shows that this servant is not experiencing this suffering because of any foolish action on his own, but rather through the evil of the people around him. That is why he will not be put to shame. And then verses 8 and 9 continue this theme around God helping us through the themes of justice and victory. Look at verse eight. It says, he who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment, like a moth will eat them up. And so whoever would contend with God's servant and bring a charge against him, this is what they did to Jesus. Hey, Jesus is, is blaspheming God. Jesus is destroying our customs and ways of life. And they falsely accused him to put him on a trial that he did not deserve so that they could crucify him. And yet God says, I will bring justice to my servant. And it will be proven that he was not in the wrong. He was only in the right. So the, just, the servant will have ultimate justice, but also the servant will have ultimate victory. Not only those who contend and those who falsely accuse, but also those who are adversaries, that is those who want to take him out, those who want to defeat him. I love the comprehensive victory that the end of verse nine talks about. It says that, that behold, all of them will wear out like a garment and the moth will eat them up. This is, this is comprehensive in the sense that it's an image of, of, of how there is destruction from the inside for those uh, adversaries. When it says that, like a garment, they will wear out from the inside out, but also like a moth that will come and eat away at the garment from the outside in. This is a picture of comprehensive and total victory that God's servant will one day experience. And we know Jesus wins this for us through his death on the cross and his resurrection three days later. And so the favored life is one that receives God's help. And sometimes it's going to look like justice now. Sometimes it's going to look like justice then. Sometimes it's going to look like victory now. Sometimes it's going to look like victory then. But always as we walk it out, as we live in obedience to what God has called us to, we will exercise an influential life. And now for us, listen, our, our influence is limited, right? Certainly within the various spheres that God gives us, it only extends so far. It only has so much power, though the power of God is fueling it and filling our lives. But for the servant, his influence is global and cosmic. Everyone must respond to who he is and what he has done. And this is what we see in verses 10 and 12. Look at what it says. Who among you, this is a call, by the way, just to, to track with the text, all right? This is not, no longer the servant speaking, but this is God speaking about the servant. And this is what God says. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. So what we see here is, is that the, the, the first three verses of Isaiah 50 talk about how even though they're in a difficult spot, even though they rebelled against God, that God still wants to deliver them, that, that his heart and his desire for them is to experience his salvation and deliverance. How he's going to accomplish it is by sending his servant. And so now that the servant has come, For those in Isaiah's day, in Jesus' day, in our day, it is our responsibility to hear the voice of Christ and what he offers us and respond to him. And so verse 10 tells us the proper response. When we fear God, when we have this reverential awe before God, that God, there is no one like you, there is no one higher than you, that all of my life, every ounce of devotion that I can muster up, it is to be given to you and that we would trust him, that we would live this life of faith and rely on him in dependence. Though we may walk in a dark world, we will experience his light. That's verse 10. That's the proper response. But there still will be those who fail to obey the servant's voice. And this is what we find in verse 11. And again, there's such irony here. It says, behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches. In other words, there is, there is a, a self-dependent way that they've sought to live their life. They are lit their own torch. They're walking their own way. What is the result for them? He says, almost in a, in a mocking tone, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches you have kindled. Because guess what? that's going to work out for you, not so good. This you have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. All other paths that are blazed by self will not lead to life. Only the path that Jesus has forged, only when we live in his life, In his light, will we experience the salvation that he came to bring us. So I want to close with the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who, writing about the Christmas season, says this about the joy of God. He says, the joy of God has gone through the poverty of the manger and the distress of the cross. Therefore, it is invincible and irrefutable. The joy of God, the Father's heart, the heart of Jesus Christ, experiences the humiliation and the poverty of being born to a poor family in a place where cattle's, eight out of God becoming man experiencing all of our the manger leads to a, a life of, of of not just you know all of the great thing but but of pain and suffering as well of trouble and ultimately ends in the cross the place of greatest distress and humiliation we're going to talk more about it next week and so listen if if the joy of God leads to these places it must tell us that God's plan for our world and God's way of salvation cannot be stopped, cannot be refuted. Because I would just say to, 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 to close today, show me another God who has come to us. Show me another God who has suffered in our place. Show me another God who has defeated death on our behalf. Show me another God who invites us to have a seat at the very same table that he has a seat at. Show me a God who wants to relate to you in this, with this kind of intimacy, this kind of intimacy so that you can experience his life every single day. It's my hope for you. It's my hope for you and my prayer for you. And I'm going to pray it right now. That that, that as you see what kind of God we have, what kind of Savior we follow, that it is sparking new desires in your heart, even right now even right now, to begin to want to long just to be with him. I'm talking about the kind of anticipation that is saying, I can't wait to wake up tomorrow because the best time of my day is time with God in the secret place. You get to that secret place, watch your life change. We become a church that lives in the secret place, and we will not be the same. It all all flows from there. So let me pray for us that God would take us there to experience the new horizon of Christ, this new horizon of intimacy with God. Father, we are so grateful that you invite us to yourself. You've not left us to ourselves. You've not not, uh, told us to figure it out on our own. But you've come running to us. You've lifted us up, that we might have the life that, that you uh, desire for us to experience on the daily basis. And so God would you, would you convince us, Lord? God, what we read here, God, this is what we need, God. We need you to wake us up, Lord. I pray that even even someone would have the story, not just someone, but many people would have the story, God. Even if it's uncomfortable, God, if you need to wake some people up in the middle of the night, God, that they would have the testimony that God woke me up. Yeah, sure, we can set our alarms so that we're not late for work, but God, we pray that you would wake us up. I'm talking about literally and physically, God. Would you wake some of us up and that we would have at least the awareness and, and as we wake up from our slumber that, oh yeah, Pastor Tanner, pray for that. Maybe I should actually spend some time with God no and not go back to sleep right now. Huh. How amazing it will be. God, we thank you for your heart for us. We don't understand it. We don't know why you would keep chasing after us morning by morning, day after day. But God, we simply say thank you. And we say, oh Lord, would you keep bringing us back to the place of your presence where there's unhindered communication with you, where we pour out our hearts before you, where we share our sorrows and pain, where we uh, give you praise for the greatest joys of our lives. that we would watch you change us. We would watch you move us out by the power of your Holy Spirit to be your hands and feet, to be your voice to the people around us, that they also might respond to you to experience this kind of favored life that we enjoy now in Christ. So God, we need you to do it. We ask you to do it. In Jesus' name.